Man Up, a program dedicated to inspiring and helping men live lives of heroic virtue. And now, it's time to Man Up. Welcome to Man Up on Iowa Catholic Radio. We are broadcasting on the Iowa Catholic Radio Network. I am Joe Stopulis and excited today to be joined again by my friends John Wisniewski and Ryan Galloway to continue our conversations on John Sr. Let us start in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and the snares of the devil. May God rebuke him. We humbly pray and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you couldn't join us last week, we covered uh, the, the kind of biography uh, of who John Sr. was. John Sr., a uh, professor uh, in, Can- in, Can- in Kansas, most specifically, but prior to that, uh, Wyoming, and prior to that, he was from New York, upstate New York, uh, a man who was in touch with, with reality, a man who was in touch with um, the great works of literature and wanted to help students to rediscover uh, the real world. Uh, as, as so often as we see today, again, I, I joke a lot, and there's a thing about with, with John Sr. writing in the 1970s, and today we're going to discuss his book, The Restoration of Christian Culture. He was writing at a time, that book was written in the early 80s, uh, but he was writing at a time that, that cell phones really hadn't been invented. I mean, obviously nothing like the iPhone. So when, he's, when he is lamenting the screen, when he's lamenting our attachment to screens and to things that are not real, uh, how much worse it has gotten in the 40 years since. Uh, so today uh, I'm going to have Ryan and John back on again to discuss uh, the writings of John Sr., uh, most specifically the restoration of Christian culture. So we're going to head to a short break and we'll be right back. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio is provided by Dr. David Ball from Des Moines Eye Surgeons, your total eye care specialist specializing in cataracts and glaucoma care. Des Moines Eye Surgeons, 515-255-3546, dmisurgeons.com. Join us on June 1st at the Iowa Event Center for the InterVisions Annual Gala presented by Permar Security. This year's theme is The Miracle of the Heartbeat to stress the importance of the heartbeat in the ultrasound and Iowa's efforts to pass pro-life legislation. Our keynote speaker is Dr. William Lyle. As a medical professional, Dr. Lyle understands the importance of the free, life-affirming work that InterVisions does in empowering women and saving babies. To register, visit IVHcare.org, and we look forward to seeing you on June 1st. And thanks for supporting the women and babies of InterVisions Healthcare. Iowa Catholic Radio would like to thank our business partner, Edible Arrangements, for their support, offering fruit bouquets and gourmet dip chocolate treats. On the go or have it delivered for that special occasion, locations in West Des Moines and Ankeny or ediblearrangements.com. Welcome back to Man Up on Iowa Catholic Radio. We are discussing... John Sr. again this week. I am joined again by the Mr. John Wisniewski, Mr. Ryan Galloway. Uh, hopefully you listened last week to the credentials. We'll do a little introduction again. John, give yourself a, a little background and why you are able to speak on John Sr. Uh, sure. So, again, my name is John Wisniewski. Uh, I'm the UFIDA Mail Coordinator at Dowling. Um, I uh, studied theology uh, at the St. Paul Seminary in Minnesota, and I did my master's thesis on John Sr. and his work specifically on technology and uh, his pedagogy. Uh, Ryan Galloway. I discovered John Sr. about 10 years ago. I've lived out his principles prior to reading him, and I, and I totally, I absolutely agree. I, I view him as a, a prophet of a, or as a voice speaking out in the desert, crying out in the desert. Um, I also led a class on John Sr.'s uh, restoration of Christian culture at St. Thomas Classical Academy. All right. 
So if you didn't listen to last week, you need to go back to the podcast and listen to it. Last week we discussed his biography, which again, uh, if you missed it, he was born in the East Coast in New York. Ends up becoming kind of a cowboy in Wyoming, but he's also an intellectual. So he's got this a lot of things going on. He was into the occult. He was into Hinduism and all this stuff before becoming Catholic, becoming a very Orthodox Catholic, and understanding that the Catholic Church uh, is is the realest thing, and that that's where goodness, truth, and beauty resided. Um, also, he taught this class at Kansas called the Integrated Humanities Program, and we discussed that. And really, his big thing was. As Ryan so eloquently put last year, screaming against this idea of the suburbanization uh, of of the culture, and I, I want to we're going to head this time into really discussing his book, the restoration of Christian culture. So his first book was written basically uh, uh, right as the, the integrated humanities program was being dissolved. It wasn't being dissolved because of popularity; it was being dissolved because the University of Kansas had too, it had too many converts coming out of it, and people were becoming Catholic, and that made people very mad, and so they shut the program down. Um, and so this book was was written. The, the first book was written. It's called "The Death of Christian Culture," where it's him just basically screaming about all the things that are ruining Christian culture, and the restoration is still a lot of screaming, uh, but with at least uh, some medicine to help fix the situation. I, I, there's something I didn't get to get to talk, to talk about last time, um, but I want to mention it because I think it sets the table really well for this idea of the restoration of realism um, and this idea of John Senior's belief in how we ought to teach and how we ought to experience the world. So this is an example he used to use. Uh, he liked to illustrate his points by discussing a scene in uh, Charles Dickens's Hard Times in which, in which Sissy Jupe, the daughter of a horse trainer, is asked to explain in school what a horse is. She does not know what to say, but Billy Blitzer, who has rarely seen a horse in his entire life, proclaims quadruped, graminorvius, 40 teeth, namely 24 grinders, 4 eye teeth, and 12 incisors, sheds coats in the spring in marshy countries, sheds hoofs too, and Professor Grand Grind, which again, you love Dickens' name, so awesome, turns back to Sissy. Now, student number 20, you understand what a horse is. Of course, it is Sissy who truly knew what the horse was in, the, in, in, in a way that theoretical knowledge was unable to replace. So here you have this gal who grew up with horses, knows everything about horses, could respond to horses, knows a horse's life. She truly knows horses better than anyone in the world that's around horses, right? That's her deal. And here's this kid who knows what a horse is by definition. The education system today is have, is doing exactly what Dickens is making fun of there, is everyone knows all the facts about all the things, but they don't know the things. And so how can we help? And that goes back to the imagination and going back to uh, helping, because in all aspects of life, not just in education, knowing how God created the world and being in communion with God through his creation is what then helps us understand all the truths that are going on. So there's a lot more to it. Anyone want to jump on that, on that before getting to the restoration? So, yeah, I, I would say f- for me, what really struck me about his pedagogy, um, it's not really his. <laughs> it's something that's been taught for thousands of years. We've just started to ignore it up until recently. Um, it comes from St. Thomas, who's really drawing from Aristotle, who says, nothing is in the intellect that was not first in the senses. So it's mm-hmm. his fancy phrase, epistemology, how we know what we know. Um, it starts in the senses first. And what, what Senior recognized is that we had started to neglect those first stages, right? Um, Thomas Kempis says something like, the, the highest cannot stand without the lowest. The highest part of us, the highest principle is the intellect. Um, but those lowest parts, which would be literally the five senses, how we engage with the world around us, and then from there moving up into uh, the imagination and the memory, 
which is something that animals at least have in a sort of approximate way, um, building from that into the intellect. So what Senior really focuses on more than anything else is those very first stages, mm-hmm. right? And what Sissy Jupe had, that experience of the horse, what the horse felt like, how the horse interacted with her, all of those kinds of things. That's the knowledge that our modern education largely neglects. By locking children in a room all day long. And Okay, right. anyway, go ahead. I'd agree. As far as uh, the, the restoration of, of Christian culture, I think the first step is to realize uh, perhaps that our culture is not I- ideal. The soil has been, has been poisoned. And a lot of us don't realize that. We just think, oh, it's great. I can watch TV all day. I'm, I'm thoroughly entertained at all times. I love going to Disney World because that's, that's fun, right, to go to Disney World. That's, that's a real experience of, of joy, right? But it's not. So I think to re- you, have to, you really have to understand that we're in this predicament. And I would highly recommend to every listener to read the second chapter in the Restoration of Christian Culture. It's called The, the Air-Conditioned Holocaust. Um, and it really, just uh, with a very, like a surgeon's knife, kind of shows what's wrong with our culture. There's a lot that is terribly wrong. And it could be because he was a melancholic. Uh, that's sort of an analysis of John Sr. He didn't, he didn't, maybe he didn't see the positive side of things. Uh, but the reality is we, uh, we're all being slow-boiled by this artificiality. And, and I think to read Sr. is a way to, to understand that, that things are not right um, with our culture, with our church, um, with our families and relationships. Yeah, I mean, so if you want to know, yeah, if, so if you're looking to be depressed, you can read The Death of Christian Culture and be super depressed. The Restoration, I don't know if it helps you it doesn't shine much more light on it, but at least I think to your point opens up the eyes. I think it's like the frog boiling in water, our culture, you know, the TV, I go back to the fifties with the TV and he was still screaming about it back in the fifties. At least in the fifties, it was a unifying thread. Yeah. It was still this like glowing object that's not real, but at least it was a unifying thread where there were three channels and people talked about what was going on with these three channels. And there was, there was still culture kind of being built around it today. Obviously that's shattered and, and, there's no redeeming quality of so, it. So television. John Senior, he, he was on EWTN when Mother Angelica <laughs> so first great. opened it. Such a great story. And, and he, he, the first thing he said was that after my show is over, I encourage all of you to get up, walk across your room, and smash your television. <laughs> and Mother Angelica did not think that was funny. Uh, John Senior argues that television is intrinsically and extrinsically evil because of its radical passivity and its distortion of reality. And so when I taught this class to high schoolers, they did not agree with that. They no. thought perhaps there's certain programming that if done well enough, it, it can actually be a net good. Senior would say no. The very medium itself is intrinsically evil. And so those are fighting words for our culture, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, you, to make a statement like that, um, and, and I would actually agree with him on, on, the, on, the, on that count. So let, and I've, that we're not going to go down that rabbit hole, which I, <laughs> I apparently, I, on, on a whim in my uh, a men's talk, I did tell people to smash their TVs. And I did, I did not know this before I was stooped in John Sr. So I apparently have a little bit of John Sr. Uh, within me. You know, I think you're going to learn quickly, and this is something that happens, they actually say this in the restoration of, of realism, that John Sr. talks on hyperbole a lot. He he really I say he screams so loud because the world is deaf. So these are the types of things that John Cena did, the techniques he used. As we talked about before the show, there's also another great teacher that used hyperbole a lot about cutting hands off and plucking <laughs> eyes out. Uh, and so I think he may be taking something from that. Um, all right, you want you said air conditioned Holocaust. You want to start there? I will almost just turn the show over to you guys and let you guys talk, and I'll just listen about how you want to dive into this book because we could probably do an entire series on this on this book alone. I can start by maybe just reading a, a short paragraph from the air conditioned Holocaust, which, which I, to me gets at the heart of the death of Christian yep. culture. And so this is John Sr. It's curious in how the arrogant notion that we are masters of the universe has led to the practical error that we are slaves to our instruments. Mm-hmm. It is not true because we have invented cars that we must drive them 
or rockets that we must go to the moon or atom bombs that we must annihilate the world. So this idea that with technology, just because we can do something doesn't mean we should. And so we, just because we can make cars doesn't mean we should design our entire cityscape and the, our entire country around the automobile. And for John Sr., this is a way, maybe he was a hypocrite and maybe he was using hyperbole, but the idea of walking was very important to him. Driving is almost a, a necessary evil in our culture. You can't get to work without driving. It doesn't mean like he was a hypocrite because he had to get to work to drive, but he saw the, the, the destruction to community, um, the, the, the destruction to our own health by not walking, by always driving. I, I will say this. Another one of his main themes is community. And this is something that I have, I have talked about in this show ad nauseum in the last five years is this breakdown of community and the idea of like air conditioning, for example, before we had air conditioning, you had to be outside in the summer to cool off and front porches porch, faced each yeah. other and everything. Like, and when you're, again, back to the frog analogy, when all you're thinking, oh, now it's cold in my house. This is great. I don't have to go outside. All these things sound good. But you don't realize that by doing this, we are, we are just ripping apart our communities. Yeah, and our architecture informs our community. And so we've designed our entire architectural system around the vehicle. We don't think about it. We don't have front porches. We, and if you live in an apartment building, you typically don't have any reason to get to know your neighbor because uh, you have air conditioning. You never have to step outside unless you smoke. I think smokers probably the only ones who have community in apartment. <laughs> and so that, I think, that reminds me, if I could just cut in for a second, a professor that I had at, at St. Thomas used to say, and I think he's very much in a John Senior vein, um, if I were a president on campus, I would ban headphones and bring back smoking. <laughs> That's <laughs> for exactly that reason. Hilarious. Right. It actually dovetails really well with Robert Putnam, if you've read Bowling Alone. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, 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 civic engagement has declined precipitously since the 1930s onwards, and, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. Putnam analyzes it from different perspectives. Surely it's the breakdown of the family, or it's economic mobility, or women joining the workforce. And, all, and he lands at the, the biggest factor is television. Um, we think it's a minor thing, but it's not. So in 1950, virtually no one had a television. By 1959, 90% of the U.S. households had a television. And we spend, on average, four hours a day watching TV, which means we have no time to go to, uh, to church or to the, you know, the local PTO or, or the Elks Club or anything else, really. And so we're bowling alone, is what Robert Putnam has said. And this is John Sr., exactly. Television has actually ruined, it's privatized our leisure time. We're no longer in civic engagement because of... I, I hadn't, I talked about bowling alone, uh, and I, our kids is like my favorite, I love our kids, but... They came out similar times. That was 80s, mm -hmm. so it would have been right after this. So, yeah, he's not the only person screaming at the top of his lungs about... From a completely different perspective, too. I mean, oh, yeah. Putnam's a Harvard sociologist. Yep. I'm not sorry as I know he's not even a Christian. Maybe yep. he is, but, um, yeah, and a senior from a, a theological point of view. Yeah. Okay. Something I'll, I'll just uh, add in here, just in terms of what I did for my thesis, um, is a point that senior is not... Um, alone in these observations i think in a particular way he's maybe shouting the loudest which is why um, it's so dramatic but um, there are other thinkers that were really wrestling with this question especially at the turn of the century so somebody like uh, martin heidegger actually wrote an essay on on the essence of technology and what technology is and what it does and something that he was concerned about was that it he said it um it prevents us from discovering Aletheia, which is a Greek word, it's a fancy word meaning truth, but it actually has a sort of connotation of um, self-revealing. So nature sort of reveals itself to us. And what happens when you have a life that's overrun by um, technology and artifice, again, not to demonize these things and say that they're bad in and of themselves, or certainly not, we're using a lot of technology here. Um, but there's a way in which <clears throat> if we're living a life that's constantly surrounded by artifice, literally just being inside all of the time, 
uh, staring at screens, you're actually cutting yourself off from that sort of primordial reality that that senior spend so much time with his students on getting getting your hands dirty, so to speak, going out in nature, right? All of those things are, are obscured if we're living a life that's overrun with it. And yeah. so it was really interesting for me to see how he addressed those problems that were brought up by thinkers like Heidegger, Ratzinger, even somebody like Romano Guardini as well. Well, it's interesting how he talks so much about the stargazing. It's oftentimes like that's kind of a weird thing. And you think about it, if you're out in the country and you're you see obviously a really nice sky, it does take you to a different place, right? There's no way you can look at this and not be somewhat awe-inspired, especially by a full night sky. It also connects you to the past, right? Connects you to all the generations past and all these things. I, I at first was reading that. I'm like, that's kind of a weird take. It's like, oh, no, no. It's kind of like when you sit in silence, you turn your car off, or, you know, you're driving, there's no radio or any of that stuff, but except for Iowa Catholic Radio, keep listening to that. But this idea that, you know, silence brings you to God and awe and wonder bring you to God. And we have done such a good job of stripping those things away. And one other thing I want to point that before to the next subject is this idea of, of ripping the imagination out of children, which is why devices and TV and all these things in, in the hands of children is so dangerous because you're, you're at a young age ripping out their imagination. No, absolutely. And so as far as what to do, that's the big question, right? And, uh, and Besides senior, smash, smash TV. Senior, so. he, he admits he's the prophet. He's like a prophet of doom. Uh, and, and his, his medicine, I think, is underwhelming to most. But like we said before, he said you stand up, and it's the heroic conscious within. It's the kingdom within. Walk across the room and literally, not figuratively, smash your television. And then play the piano with your kids. Start a fire. We lock up the most beautiful site in the world in the basement in a box, the <laughs> fire, and no one gathers around the central heating duct, right? People gather around a fire, and then love will grow. You can't produce love. It can't be artificially made. It grows in a certain environment. Yeah. And so after you smash your television, read out loud together as a family. Read poetry together out loud. And do things communal with your, with your children, with your neighbors. And then even move into a blighted uh, home in the city, restore it. Have your friends do the same, and then from there you can have a school and a corner store and a barber shop, and, and true community can arise from. So, it's not there's no political solution from a John Senior standpoint. So, if you read him looking for something political, you're not going to find it. It's more of the individual. What can they do given the circumstances we find ourselves in? No. Yeah, just one more comment. You mentioned the stars as being like a very central theme in his work, and that's no accident. Um, the stars are those first begetters of wonder. Uh, they talk about in Aristotle and Saint Thomas. I'll just read this quote, and and Ryan alluded to it earlier. Poor little rich suburban children who have had all these delights and living in constant fluorescent glare have never seen the stars, which St. Thomas, following Aristotle and all the ancients, says are the first begetters of that primary experience of reality, formulated as the first of all principles of metaphysics, that something is. So you even think about a simple nursery rhyme, right? Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are, right? He's trying to restore that. And that's a, a very big theme in all of philosophy, all of literature. Even think about Dante at the end of the Inferno, the Purgatorio, and the Paradiso. The very last word, stelle, it's stars. Always turning towards the stars because those stars um, bring us to God. So there's some other quotes I want to hit on here. Um, we have a few minutes left. The restoration of reason presupposes the restoration of love. And we can only love what we know because we have first touched, tasted, smelled, heard, and seen. And that encounter with exterior reality, interior responses naturally arise. Movements motivating, urging, releasing energies infinitely greater than atoms of intelligence and will. So this connection with the real. He says, only by restoring true Christian culture 
Will Christ reign again in our hearts, our homes, and our families? Christ must reign. And how can we bring about the reign of Christ without frequent prayer? Prayer is necessary. It is essential for the spiritual life. A life spent in good works of charity that has no prayer is a life built on bad soil. And no soul whose life is built in bad soil can ever inherit everlasting life. So, again, what we're creating, to your point, in our own lives, the lives of our family, those around us, we have to create that, that good soil. And there's a lot, he has a lot of medicine in here, a lot of suggestions on how to do that. Again, not all of it's super practical, right? I mean, like, there's just no way all of us <laughs> can have an acreage right now and not have a car and all these things. But I think for each of us, we have to discern. I, I, there's no question in my mind all of us can be better at this. All of us can get better at turning off the TV, possibly getting rid of the TV entirely, um, turning off the distractions and going out into nature, going camping, getting the kids out. There are all things we all can do better at. I think that's really what his point is. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this really, really high bar, and I'm hoping that you make it somewhat close to it. And I think we haven't touched on the Benedictine, like how important the Benedictine yeah. rule is to John Senior's view of Christian culture. He says Benedictine theology is the seedbed of culture, mm-hmm. and how basically the Benedictines maintained Western civilization for a thousand years in the Dark Ages. He talks extensively about how Boethius was he, he was the last of the philosophers, and the Saint Benedict never darkened the, 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 his door in Rome, and then fled to the, the wilderness. And so this idea, we, we, he's like a heavyweight Rod Dreher. Rod Dreher is kind of like you know yeah. a lightweight Benedict option. <laughs> just, just, Go move to like the nicest house you can in the bed, like most exclusive. Is that way you can be away from like the, the riffraff. Whereas I think that <laughs> John Senior is more like no, you should actually be physically attached to a Benedictine monastery, either as like an oblate or join the Benedictines is even better. Like if you're single, join the Benedictines is what John Senior would say. And if you're if you're you know married, you become a, a widower, perhaps then you should join the Benedict. It's actually the Benedictines themselves have the secret to living in community mm-hmm. through the rule. And he talks at length about that. So I think that's another key component. that we. Yeah, one um, really important Catholic principle, um, I think that distinguishes uh, Catholic thought from Protestant thought in a lot of ways is um, the fact that grace builds on nature. Uh, grace builds and perfects nature. And really what, what Senior's doing to run with this sort of gardening image is he's tilling the soil, right? The culture is the soil, and he's saying that our soil has gone fallow. Um, and so if we want to be concerned with evangelizing and planting the seeds of the gospel, we have to make sure that soil is richly manured, right? It's it's tilled, it's cultivated, um, it's ready for the implanting of the gospel. And that's all he did with, uh, with the IHP. He wasn't proselytizing. That was what he was ex- uh, uh, accused of. Accused yeah. of. Um, he was just introducing kids to reality, and if the, if the faith is really real and it's something that uh, we can hang our hats on like you have to start with those principles all right we're gonna head to a short break i'm gonna keep you guys around for the third segment and we're gonna finish up this conversation again we, we need to do another like five episodes of in, the, in the future but mr wisniski your final parting words to our listeners who are now being introduced to the world of john senior sure um gosh i would just say read good literature that's something that i've picked up in in more recent years i got more interested in theology systematic theology Initially, but after reading Senior, um, I started to go back and and read those those good books, right? The different different literature, poetry, trying to cultivate the imagination and strengthen it, which oftentimes, like we've been saying, with overuse of technology and screens, can enfeeble it. So, uh, pick up a book. It's going to be hard at first. Maybe you haven't read a lot, but if you can do that, um, you're off to a good start. And, and and don't be scared to do spark notes after every chapter. I'm serious, like. <laughs> Charles Dickens, I read, I just finished the Pickwick Papers last week, yeah. and I, like, I 
enjoy reading these things, but sometimes I need a guide to help me. So like, don't be afraid, especially as you're diving into it for the first time, to use a guide. Yes. Okay. So this is directly from John Sr. He says, cut out all excess technology. Keep grandma around. Don't, don't send her to the air-conditioned holocaust. Her home. <laughs> uh, li- live in a less pretentious but more livable home. Sell the car. Walk more. Um, think of the money you'll save. And also the, the time spent on... Ex- he, he, he thinks jogging is exhibitionism. Yeah. <laughs> so instead of jogging, you should, you should garden. Dig up your front and backyard and garden. So those are sort of the practical things that John Sr. recommends doing. I, I would... Um, Recommend that as well to our listeners. All right. And, and Smashing One's TV. Yeah, well, that's you know, a prerequisite, so, yeah. So the books are, so there's, th- we've mentioned a handful of books. I'll give them to you again. So there's The Death of Christian Culture. There's The Restoration of Christian Culture. And there's a book by Father Francis Bethel called the, uh, John Sr. and the Restoration of Realism. The easiest start would be to do one of those latter two. The Restoration of Christian Culture by John Sr. or The Restoration of Realism uh, by Father Father. Francis Bethel, both of those will give you good uh, views into his uh, into his life, into his uh, philosophy. And then again, I think for you as a listener, for me, it, it's different for each of us. But there's no question you can't read him and not and be the same. I don't think uh, when you come out on the other side. So, guys, thank you, uh, thank you for listening to Man Up on Iowa Catholic Radio. I am Joe Stopulis. It's time to man up. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio comes from the St. Thomas More Center in Panora, Iowa, home of Catholic Youth Camp, where life-changing peace meets transforming joy. By uniting our Catholic faith and fun, CYC serves youth and young adults as they become joy-filled missionary disciples of Christ. Campers experience laughter, new friends, and writing new stories as they are immersed in the beauty of the Catholic faith and live the adventure of His call. Registration for summer camps is now open. For more information, visit stmcenter.com. Cresta in the afternoon. With me right now is George Weigel. Ratzinger had the mind of 12 professors and the simple piety of a child making their first Holy Communion. That's a very powerful combination, and the two obviously influenced each other. At the center of that was this profound sense that it is the person of Jesus Christ, and through meeting him, we come to the church. Cresta in the afternoon, weekdays on Iowa Catholic Radio. Welcome back to Man Up on Iowa Catholic Radio. My thanks to John and Ryan for joining me for these last two episodes. Uh, this is something I've, I've talked about this for a while, wanting to do a series on John Sr. And those two guys, as you can see there, uh, both very passionate about his writings. And both of them, uh, again, two of my very good friends who have had their lives shaped um, pretty significantly by um, by his philosophy, um, by by his writings. And I, I've, as I've said in, you know, multiple times there, I, I have been changed by this. You know, I have looked at the world differently because of his writings. And yeah, sometimes he, he does yell pretty loudly. Um, he says some pretty drastic things, you know, like smashing your television and things like that. But I, I think it's necessary. Uh, I think it's necessary to have that for us to wake up to realize just how bad things have gotten. Uh, as I mentioned you know, multiple times again, like this was written 40 years ago. How much worse how much worse has it gotten today? So I would really encourage you, again, The Restoration of Realism was one of the books we talked about, especially in the first episode, uh, but in The Restoration of Christian Culture uh, in, in this episode, go, grab one of those books. Read them, chew on them. Uh, it will really help you to understand who he was as a man, but then also uh, what, what, is he, what is he saying? You know, what is he, <laughs> he sees something different that I never saw before uh, and the problems that are associated 
uh, with these technologies that seem fairly benign. They don't seem like they're that bad until you dive into what they're doing to suck away our imagination and our grip on reality. Really excited for next week to be joined by one of the great disciples, one of the great students of John Sr.'s, uh, which is Bishop James Connolly of Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, a man who entered his class without any you know, Catholic faith, and today is the Bishop of Lincoln, Nebraska. So join me next week where we actually talk with somebody who knew John Sr. face-to-face, was a student of John Sr.'s, and had his life changed dramatically through his encounter with him. Thanks for joining me today on Man Up on IO Catholic Radio. I am Joe Stopulis, and it's time to man up. Man Up, inspiring men to live out their call to holiness. 